good evening, good evening, depending on when you're listening and where you're listening. Regardless, thank you for listening. The show is NXT Talk, where we talk about all things NXT 2.0. What an interestingly weird show this go-home edition of NXT 2.0 was last night. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we're going to be chatting, reviewing, analyzing that. We're also going to be kind of, uh, kind of pondering, thinking, reflecting on the year that was NXT in 2021. Because if anything, it was a very weird year for NXT. What started off as NXT versus AEW ended up being Triple H versus WWE. But we'll talk about that and kind of reflect and kind of uh, talk about what we expect to happen in 2022 with the rainbow brand NXT 2.0. And then we're going to be chatting about the New Year's Evil card as it's really shaped out to be quite a fun looking card. But we're going to be chatting all that and more on this week's episode. I'm Boris and as always, I'm joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. We hope your holiday season is full of cheer. Boris, it seems like just a couple days ago, I was watching the World Junior Hockey Championship and Tony Storm wrestling Charlotte Flair in WWE. You remember those things? You remember the World Juniors and Tony Storm, WWE combatant? You know how I feel about the World Juniors to begin with, but yeah, no, it's crazy (laughs) that uh, it's just gone, and even crazier in something that I guess our listeners of this show are going to care a little bit more, and that's Tony Storm gone. Like, I I was shocked. Um, At the same time, you know, you you never know what the circumstances are of anyone asking for a release, but the point is, Tony Storm is gone from WWE. And the World Juniors have officially been canceled. Crazy. That was like my my Christmas. was. I watched SmackDown on Christmas morning uh, when the house was a little empty before some guests came in. We recorded that podcast and, uh, you know, geared up for the World Juniors. And, yeah, both of those things. Gone, man. Craziness. But, uh, yeah, Tony Storm was an, is an incredibly talented performer. And I'm sure she'll be fine no matter where she goes. We have the advantage of recording this podcast. The advantage and disadvantage of recording this podcast a little late this week. So we get to talk about this news uh, situation here but this is a shocking departure because wwe it seemed like they were finally starting to get behind tony storm finally starting to push her appreciate what they had there and then she left it looks like on her own volition looks like she asked for her release yep exactly that that's the part that is interesting right like you never know what motivates someone to to ask for a release there's you know and 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 it's none of our business at the end of the day it's not our business whatsoever uh but you know she's asked for her release looks like wwe granted it right away and here we are tony storm is a free agent i'm sure she has a 90 day no compete clause um but you know if she is going to be looking for employment i don't in the in the wrestling business that is i do don't think it's going to take her long to find something because she is just so talented honestly been following her for a few years like right before uh the first may young classic i really was able to catch some of her stardom work and kind of followed her work through there and in nxt uk obviously uh then the weird run that she had in NXT stateside, black and gold, um, still puzzles me that they turned her heel. But here we are. Like you said, she got called up in the summer 
wasn't really used much, but now she kind of had a program with Charlotte Flair really going, and that's all she wrote for Tony Storm. Yeah, pretty surprising, but she went out kind of on a good note. She had a competitive match against Charlotte Flair in, in, on Christmas Eve in her last WWE televised appearance. And yeah, like you said, if she does want to continue working in the wrestling business, she is going to have no shortage of suitors, Boris, trying to sign her up. I think she would add a ton to AEW's women's division right away. I've seen people speculate that she might go to Impact with uh, with her, I believe, fiancé, is it Juice Robinson? Yep, her fiancé, Juice Robinson. Um, honestly, she can find work anywhere. It might just be a case that she, you know, she wants to the the travel, right? Like we again, I don't want to speculate. We don't know. It is what it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, Tony Storm is gone, and that's really all the that's really all there is to say. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, it's just more shocking than anything, and it's no uh, indication on her talent level, I think. But we will see what the future holds for Tony. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, as a as a longtime fan of Tony Storm as well, I just wish her the best and hope. Uh, I hope she does stick around in the wrestling business because she's dope. She's really good. Oh, one hundred percent. And you know, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But you know, when we do start talking about NXT, I think it's only fair to rate each match out of five tony storms yes storms five storms out of five this week on nxt talk and uh i i actually we should also mention that there is no uk corner this week also i believe next week are kind of like recap slash hype shows so we won't be talking about nxt uk until they return with proper you know new television shows but uh we'll be here talking nxt stateside this whole time and you liked this episode more than i did i really didn't think this was a good one did i say i liked it did i say i liked it You didn't say that, but you you uh, have not expressed yeah, outward yeah, hatred still, towards you're making, it. Making making assumptions, Matt. <laughs> you know what happens when people make assumptions, and that's happening to you right now. But honestly, I guess I didn't hate it as much as you. I didn't think it was the best. I didn't think it was amazing. Um, it kind of went a little uh, off the trajectory that these NXT shows have been going, but it wasn't the worst thing I've seen this week. It wasn't the worst thing. That wasn't the worst episode of NXT 2.0. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, no, definitely not. There's been some, like some absolute garbage barges, but uh, I didn't think this was very good at all. I thought there was one good match. We'll talk about it, but uh, man, Boris friendo, how are you today? You know, it's quite funny that you ask me that right now, Matt, because uh, I think you asked me how I'm doing about 10 to 15 minutes ago and until now have i haven't been able to answer only because i've had two computer crashes blue screen of deaths (laughs) i don't know what's going on i hope we can get this episode finished i'm afraid to like move like i'm like frozen right now i I, i'm barely moving because i'm like everything must work fine right now but Overall, I'm doing fine. Uh, it's been a pretty, like I say, a pretty relaxing week overall. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's crazy to think that next week, mid next week, I'm going to be back at work. So that's going to be fun. But uh, we have a very busy few days coming up, which we'll talk about to end the show as well. 
Yes, sir. Yeah. Not yeah. A full slate of wrestling for us, full slate of recording for us. But yeah, man, life is good. I'm glad to do it. Uh, yeah. I also had a really good Christmas, buddy. Lots of good times, lots of laughs with friends and family. Just felt that warmth and that love. It was really nice. You know, sometimes you need it. And uh, hopefully, you know, I, it's going to be a little bit before I can get back to see the old fam, I think. So it was good to get a couple days in here. But uh, yeah, with the. Uh, all this stuff going down, it might it might be a while before I go back up north, you know, with uh, all these all these COVID shutdowns and stuff. It kind of it's kind of hitting us all hard here. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, right now it's just so hard uh, because it's like it honestly feels like everyone that you know and everyone around you is getting COVID. Um, but you know, if you're vaxxed, then you're sick for a couple of days and you're good to go, right? Like that's the key right now. But whatever. Um, so. Let's let's get to business. But the first thing I really wanted to talk about was kind of talking about the year that was NXT. It was a crazy year to say the least. Uh, you know, we've seen NXT, like I mentioned at the top of the show, it started off as NXT, the competition to AEW, and it ended up being this like weird, weird fever dream that is NXT 2.0, the Rainbow Brand. Um, you know, I was just like doing some quick research at the start. Uh, you know, for this episode, just taking a look at last year's New Year's Evil card, man. What, what yeah. want me to list that? What the, that card was? Please do. I. It's so funny that you say that because I just googled it as you were speaking there, man. But please, let's go through it because it's it's actually hilarious to look back on and see how much has changed in one calendar year. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Karrion Cross defeated Damian Priest. <laughs> I'm not heartbroken about how it turned out, but how crazy is it that Damian Priest has gotten this huge push and has been so successful on the main roster and Karrion Cross is out, cut. It's not what you would have expected. Yeah, it's crazy to see that, like, especially because, like, uh, Damian Priest has been very protected in WWE main roster. Like, it's crazy to think that out of, again, out of everyone that we've seen come through NXT, and this is no dig at Damian Priest because I like him I like his work uh, He, I've liked him since I, I saw him at ROH but of all people it's Damian Priest who has a very successful run on the main roster but it shouldn't surprise us because he seems to be what they look for in the main roster right and, 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 and the powers that be of the main roster seem to understand his character so there we go alright so that's match number one match number two was my boy Santos Escobar, your champion of the cruiserweight division this time last year, and he faced a he faced off against Grand Metalik with Lince Dorado on his corner against Grand Metalik and the Lucha House Party. <laughs> Boris, not long for the WWE were the Lucha House Party, but Santos killing it as cruiserweight champion, and sadly. It looks like the next time we see this cruiserweight belt will be the last time we see this cruiserweight belt, buddy. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the third match of that night was Zia Lee with Boa defeating Katrina Cortez. Interesting. Katrina Cortez gone from the company. Zia Lee on SmackDown theoretically <laughs> but we don't see too much of her and boa is possessed now boa is the new bray wyatt that's cool <laughs> all right uh raquel gonzalez with dakota kai for uh defeating rhea ripley now it's awesome to see how far raquel has come this year 
because this was her first like really good performance, but she's had a bunch of awesome matches. She's really come along and I think she's ready for the main roster now, which you have, you would not have said that last year. And yeah. as for uh, Rhea Ripley, she's just another uh, person being misused on the main roster. I feel exactly. And it's kind of funny. Like, you know, I got laughed at by the other guys when I said Raquel Gonzalez was my most improved through 2020. I understand why that's kind of laughable, but you know, you have to remember how like where she started and where she is now. Anyways, um, we had a mixed uh, tag match. Kushida and Shotzi Blackheart versus The Way. Johnny Gargano and Johnny Candice Gargano. LeRae. Johnny Rasslin and Candice Rasslin. I feel like they're probably two future AEW superstars, it's looking like. But yeah, Kushida and Shotzi versus Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Who'd have thunk that the person in the best position would be Shotzi Blackheart coming into 2022? Yeah, that's crazy to, to, to even imagine for me. All right, and then the main event. Oh, man. <laughs> Finn Balor, your NXT champion versus Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, it was a really good match. It showed up on our 50 hardest cuts list on the most recent BAM episode. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was... Very interesting uh, to see that as the main event of this show. Uh, fun to look back on. Kyle O'Reilly about to debut in AEW, like an hour away, two hours away, three hours away. Math. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like, it's like a year. How much has changed in WWE over the past year? People leaving, you know, under their own terms, under WWE's terms. It's just crazy to see kind of where the year started again. And, you know, especially like considering just everything that's happened with NXT like we, it just started off honestly on such a high note and then we had their vengeance uh or their new year's or or St. Valent or the Valentine's vengeance or whatever that pay-per-view was called <laughs> um, <laughs> um you know and that show was awesome as it was tag team galore uh you had both uh finales of the of the of the dusty cup so that was great. We had some great matches there. We had Finn Balor again, you know, kind of proving why he's just so freaking good. And then we went to stand and deliver both nights. Night one being honestly one of the, well, so close to being my pay-per-view of the year. That show was just insane. Um, you know, main evented again by Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Like, it's just crazy. Actually, uh, they they made evented night two. Kyle O'Reilly oh, and yeah, Adam Cole did the main event two. Sorry, yes, yes. No, no worries, man. But yeah, the actually, yeah, I I I do uh, one million percent agree with you, man. Takeover Stand and Deliver was the last time Takeover felt pure. It was the last Takeover that was a Takeover. There was a little bit of vibe to uh, in your house, and there was a little bit of that vibe. To uh to take over thirty six, but to me this was the last true, the last real takeover. This was the one where NXT still felt like NXT. It was the black and gold we knew and loved. Exactly, and and unfortunately, like days after uh, Stand and Deliver, you know NXT moved to Tuesday nights, and we started seeing the influence really setting in. We started seeing some small changes to NXT. And, uh, you know, that's this led us into In Your House, which was such a weird pay-per-view. Now that you when you think back at it, we talked about this on on our last podcast on the Smackdown review show. And, you know, that's when carry on cross completely decimated everyone in NXT in one foul swoop. 
and yeah, then that that then, then you know that really set the motion for for the rebrand because Takeover Thirty Six felt like a funeral for the black and gold brand. Yeah, it really did. And Takeover Thirty Six did give us some spectacular, spectacular matches. Chief first and foremost in that being Dragonov versus Walter, which not only is the WWE match of the year, but in my opinion, could be the wrestling match of the year. One of the very best wrestling matches I've ever seen in my life yeah. was Ilya Dragonov versus Walter. It was incredible. The fact that that particular match, Ilya Dragonov versus Walter, isn't on the WWE top match list, it just surprises me. It, it confuses I thought it was. It, it, no, Is it, it not? It's, it's not number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's on the list, but somehow not number one, which is foolish. Although the, the match they did pick number one, I believe, was Edge Rollins' Hell in a Cell, right? That yes. one was actually really good. Too. It was. It was. That it was, was a very good match, too. Yep. But, it, yeah, do you remember what the main event of 36 was? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole in the three stages of hell. Actually, actually, my friend, that was the semi-main. The main event was Samoa Joe defeating our boy Carry On Cross. And I just, I only bring it, not to dunk on you, I only bring it up because you remember Samoa Joe, NXT champion for a hot cup of coffee? Yep, yep. He won the match and that was it. Basically went missing afterwards due to injury. Um, and I've seen some reports. I don't want to talk. I hate speculating. But it looks like uh, he might be doing backstage-only stuff for NXT moving forward. Again, who knows? Who knows what the deal is? But, uh, yeah, it's crazy to think again, you know. Samoa Joe released, comes back, uh, plays his best Tony Soprano uh, impression, and then comes back to the ring for one match against, of all people, Carry On Cross. Um, and the matches that we could have had at that time. Like, if you remember when... Samoa Joe was was the enforcer GM. Um, you know, we he had confrontations, obviously with Karrion and Cross, a couple with Adam Cole. You know, it's it, a couple with Pete Dunne. Oh man, yeah. the matches that we could have had. Yeah, a couple with Gargano too. Gargano was doing the gimmick where he was sucking up to him, but uh, Samoa Joe would have none of it. Samoa Joe's like brief month to six week run as a weekly character in NXT was the best thing on this show the entire year. We loved that the entire time because it was great. And I miss Samoa Joe on my television, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I understand. I hope he's healthy. And if he's done wrestling, that's our loss buddy, but good for him. He had an incredible career, but yep. just an insane year. And yeah, 36 was pretty much the death toll, the death bell of NXT. Exactly. Because that led us into the middle of September, which was when NXT 2.0 debuted, and what a freaking roller coaster it's been! You know, it's been a mixed bag. I know it gets a very bad reputation, but overall, look, like we've said so many times, and I'll say it again, damn it, it is developmental, and that's exactly what's going on here. It's so hard to debut so many new wrestlers all at once, and for people to just catch on. But, you know, it's finding its groove. It's finding its toll. It's it, You're starting to see some very positive things out of NXT 2.0. You're seeing these wrestlers develop. You know, some might be ready for the main roster. Some are even appearing on the main roster, like a Grayson Waller. Yeah, exactly. We've seen Odyssey Jones have a cup of coffee here and there. We've seen Von Wagner show his face, his, his beautiful mug on SmackDown TV. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely more integrated. I, I, I don't know. People who say NXT like is terrible and sucks now, I, I, I think 
they don't give it a chance. I think like if you actually watch this television show, there are some good things to take away. Next week's episode is going to be awesome, but it's it's a far cry from the brand we all fell in love with. It is what it is. It it's is different it is. and it's not going back. But I, I like I do like this version for what it is. NXT 2.0 has shown us some things, shown us some flashes of brilliance. Here's a question. I think I know the answer to, but I have to ask. If you didn't do this show, would you be watching NXT? Nah. <laughs> That's a tough one. I would be watching, but I wouldn't be watching like as religiously. I wouldn't make a point to watch every Tuesday night, no matter what, uh, I, when, you know, uh, travel permits. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be as diligent with it as I am now. I would watch, I'd make more of a point to watch UK over 2.0, certainly. But uh, I'm happy with watching both. I actually am enjoying this uh, chronological fucking breakdown of the uh, the once great NXT brand, watching it crumble piece by piece and then be rebuilt. It's actually been quite interesting. It's been so, it's been so weird. It's been such a very weird year for NXT. And like I said, this leads us into last night's show, which was the final NXT of 2021 and then it will roll into 2022 when we get New Year's Evil, and we're going to talk about the card a little later, but man, it's looking hot. It looks like it can be a very good show, and obviously, WWE is adding some gems, some main roster rub in order to get the ratings up and more eyes on the product, which I think is smart. Is it going to work? Who knows? And if it doesn't work, then everyone's going to call it a failure, right? But... You know, I think there's only a limited amount of people who are going to give NXT 2.0 a shot or NXT a shot in general, right? Like, it goes back to kind of like, you know, it, it's not the main roster, so people don't give a crap. And, you know, the power, whatever. It, it's all subjective. It's all wrestling. It's all opinion. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But, man, what a year of NXT we've had. So I have to ask you, Matt. What do you expect to come in 2022 for NXT? And you are allowed to say that it gets canceled by the USA Network. Oof, it's definitely possible. It's it's like it wouldn't shock me if it got canceled. I don't think they're in any danger of being canceled right now. It kind of seems like they've stabilized and. I don't know. We're going to see. I, I think the mission has worked to some extent. Grayson Waller's working out. He's been on Raw. Braun Breaker's going to be heavily featured in WWE in the next couple of years. I think we're just going to keep churning out people. It's going to be a revolving door. People are going to be released or called up at a, at a kind of shocking rate, I think. And we're going to see this, this churn continue. Exactly. At least as long as it's on TV. Yeah, agreed. Now, what I am afraid of is the churn being sudden, not sudden, but like very impactful and, 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 and by many numbers, I should say. So what I'm trying to say is what I don't want to happen is a mass exodus of NXT to the main roster and then we repeat NXT 2.0 and the growing pains that it went to when that started. And really, it was just... You, when you have so many people starting all at once, you know, it's hard to to really enjoy a show. Uh, so hopefully they kind of do this uh, this gradual uh, slow churn where, you know, one or two people might come and go at any given time. Right. Like that's kind of what I'm hoping for NXT 
2.0 in 2022. But I do agree with you that I think we're going to start seeing the call-ups happening fast and furious. Look, Grayson Waller's already been on the main roster. Like you said, Odyssey Jones has appeared. Uh, you know, we have uh, Von Wagner and his forehead appearing on SmackDown here and there. So, like, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But, Matt, my last question to you is this. Grayson Waller or Braun Breaker with two Ks, who is the breakout star with two Ks of NXT 2.0? Right now, it's got to be Braun Breaker, although Grayson Waller is giving him a run for his money. I just think Braun has been pushed so strongly. He's he's done overseas tours. He's being like, we're being explicitly told this is the guy. He's essentially the Goldberg of the brand, although he's not, he hasn't squashed everyone like Goldberg did. He is the the big, strong dude. He is the number one. He is the he is the final boss of NXT. So Grayson Waller's doing a very good job, but it's still, you gotta say it's Braun. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I, like In the grand scheme of things, it is, it is Braun Breaker. It is NXT will be his, um, and 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 I guess you know my next question can be answered later on, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of time and our listeners to reflect on this. Will Braun Breaker win the championship? We'll talk about this a little later when we talk about New Year's Evil. Um, so I think it's time, you know, to just jump right into it. Let's get into the show, NXT 2.0 TV. We already said that we will be rating each match out of five storms, you know, honoring Tony Storm and her departure from WWE. Uh, so, you know, we get right into it. Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett were on commentary. Alicia Taylor was the ring announcer. The show started right away with Grayson Waller making his entrance. Uh, he took the mic for a pre-match promo. He bragged about having a good Christmas and how he treated himself to front row seats for at Raw. Waller talked about how Styles wanted the Grayson Waller rub that night. A replay aired of Waller's raw appearance. Uh, The crowd started chanting for AJ. Waller said he doesn't get why people support AJ over him. Waller attacked the fans by saying they struggle to get out of their seats due to their fat asses. That actually made me laugh. Uh, Waller noted that Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz prevented him from putting AJ on the shelf. Uh, Waller said he's supposed to face Dexter Loomis, but Loomis is not medically cleared to wrestle. Uh, Waller called Indy Hartwell a catfish and said while she may be a 10 to Loomis, she's a 3 in Grayson Waller's book. Waller asked for his replacement to come out. Then Odyssey Jones makes his entrance. Waller left the ring like he was going to refuse the match. Jones took the mic and said while Waller may call himself a star, he is just a bitch. Uh, this uh, got Grayson Waller pissed off enough that he ended up accepting the match, and this leads us into the first match of the night, which was Grayson Waller versus Odyssey Jones. Yes, sir. So, yeah, good promo here by Grayson. I'm really liking his mic work. He's extremely confident. You, you can't fault him for a lack of confidence. He is certainly feels like he belongs. He looks like he belongs. He speaks like he belongs. I uh, I really like this promo. I think Grayson Waller's he's doing excellent work. This match is eh, not there so much. Look. I like Grayson's in-ring for the most part, uh, but Odyssey Jones still has some developmental to do. He's got some developing yes. to do in the ring, um, and, and it just shows, right? This match to me just showed that, and it, it we've said this every time he's gone in the ring. 
he just makes some things look very awkward. This match really wasn't the best. It was a short match. Only came in at 7 minutes, 35 seconds. Um, and obviously, well, not obviously, but surprisingly to me at least, to a certain extent, Grayson Waller hit Jones with a rolling stunner for the win. Yes, he did the Kofi Kingston-style dive roll through the bottom and middle ropes. Chavo Guerrero did this, too, in WWE, and tons of luchadors have done it throughout the years. But uh, yeah, he did that dive roll into a stunner, and Odyssey sold the stunner like a champion. He sold it really well, popped up like, did a 180 spin. I thought that was really good. There were a couple spots here that Grayson Waller's working into his matches, which I like. He does uh, He does an elbow off the middle rope where in midair he goes, he takes a pretend basketball Boris and goes a double through the legs elbow, which is, it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I like that. He's trying new things. I'm very excited to see Grayson Waller versus AJ styles. Who's basically the incomplete opposite end of the spectrum of Grayson or of uh, Odyssey Jones, right? Yeah. Like, in in uh, Grayson Waller versus Odyssey Jones, Grayson Waller has to basically call and I believe carry the entire match, and they went seven minutes and thirty five seconds. Now I'm excited to see AJ versus Grayson get like ten or fifteen next week. Let's go. Well, they technically don't have a match next week. They're calling it a confrontation. Oh really? I thought it was actually a booked wrestling match. That's that that is my fault. Yeah, they're Apology. calling it a confrontation. What that's going to lead to, who knows. Where this entire story is going to lead to, who knows. But uh, it's for sure a very interesting setup to this story. And I wonder what the payoff, what the you know, what the end result is going to be, and where we're going to get this payoff. And you know, we'll see what happens there. But AJ Styles, Grayson Waller, just a confrontation. So after the match, um, let's talk about after the match stuff, and then we'll rate the match. Uh, so. Uh, Grayson Waller is celebrating. AJ Styles appears on the Tron. Uh, Styles noted that Waller got the wrong type of attention on Raw last uh, uh, couple nights ago. Styles said he's coming to NXT next week, and he'll see Waller at New Year's Evil. Yeah, so that perfectly fine little promo from AJ, who's never been a great promo guy, but he's short, sweet, to the point, awesome. I'm going to rate this one two storms, Boris, out of five. It's a slight fail, but good effort by Grayson. So it's a 40% storm zero percentage on this one, buddy. Yep, agreed with you there. All right, then it was time for the hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, to interview my girl, Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, Jade assures Mitchell's, Mitchell that she'll coexist with Gonzalez. I love how this coexisting bullshit is just a fucking joke to them now. <laughs> I actually do like it. I do like that it's Cora Jade's character to make fun of the word coexist in pro wrestling. It, uh, it it's landing with me, Boris. I'm liking it a lot. You know She's so darn likable, this Cora Jade. She really is. But you know who Cora Jade can't coexist with? Who's that, Boris? Darby Allen. <laughs> She can dunk on him like uh, Vince Carter in the 2000 Olympics, though. Oh, that was beautiful. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Cora Jade says that she'll coexist with Gonzalez before Gonzalez could even speak. Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray both show up uh, to ask Gonzalez to be first in line once they take the belt off Rose. Rose then appears on the screen. Uh, she set up a tag match between Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray versus Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez for later in the show where the winner winning team ends up facing her in a already scheduled triple threat match. So 
I don't understand why they needed to do this convoluted story for the night. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Although it did lead to a, it was a good like replacement match. You know, I, I, I kind of, I don't mind it. But yeah, at least they explained it away with, uh, with. Uh, Mandy saying, I'm the champ. I can get this done versus like her just like randomly saying something. And then it's canon. Like she's booking her own matches. She actually made a point to say, I will go get this done. So that little thing made me kind of appreciate it. But I agree that it was weird. I I feel like probably it was related to the, you know, at this time, Boris, you can't say like, you can't really blame them for changing a card on the fly. You know, like I'm not. Not at all. Yes, I'm just saying. I know you're that, not. Uh, it, like to me, it just it was just weird, right? Like you know, there there there's a lot of Very other things not. that they could have done. They could have just had this match without the stipulation, right? Like I don't understand why they would add that stipulation, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Such a minor nitpick doesn't really matter. Uh, so Grayson Waller uh, cuts a promo backstage, saying that he has no problem showing up. Uh, showing up styles next week. Waller crossed paths with Wesley and Edge Carter, and he said, screw you to both of them. So, yeah, uh, Grayson Waller continues to cut excellent promos. Like, it, it quick, again, to the point, like, but they're pushing him so strong on the show. You see him three or four times every week. He is getting a strong push. He's the number one heel in NXT, and I'm I'm really enjoying his character work. After this, we get a vignette for Tiffany Stratton, her last one before her debut later on the show. Um, yeah, I don't I, I got nothing to say about that. Yeah, it was what it was. Pretty straightforward. We're going to see her coming up. Yep. Uh, Zion Quinn cut a promo saying that Electra needs to choose between him or Legado tonight. So Zion Quinn's going to be the thing that breaks up your group. He's going to be the monkey wrench in this in this here entire operation. Boris, how do you feel about that? I'm going to start calling him Zion Yoko Ono Quinn. <laughs> Yoko Quinn? Yoko oh. Quinn. Yep. Like, I, uh, here's the thing. I don't understand this. I feel like there is zero chemistry between Electra Lopez and Zion Quinn. Um, I think there's zero chemistry between Zion Quinn and everyone, but that's just my opinion on him. I think he's cool, but, like, it just, they're making him such a forward, like, this whole thing seems forced. Um, you know, I think they're taking away from Quinn's quote-unquote cool factor, and he's really starting to look like a poor sap. Yeah, you know what? I kind of this might have been the week where I started to agree with you on that point. Like, it kind of seems like he's yeah, he's a little dopey, a little geeky in this, and he's he is like a great looking dude. You know, he's a huge guy. Like, he should be cooler than this. I agree with that. Yep, I, it is what it is. Uh, MSK Wesley and Nash Carter made their entrance to the uh, performance center ring, and what was very interesting is that they got quite the pop. So that's. That's good. Uh, no more audible yes. booze from the NXT faithful now. Yeah, we should talk about that because they took them off TV for a good long while. And I think it kind of worked. They like rehabbed their character. They, they made these wacky, crazy vignettes, which we often hated and thought were terrible. But hey, it worked, man. At the end of the day, they're babyface again. So yeah. kudos to you. 
Yeah, it's crazy to think, right? Like they, they, that, that it worked. Like you know, MSK have never. I've never had an issue with MSK. I do have an issue anytime they pick up a microphone or cut a promo. But in the grand scheme of things, I like MSK. I think their <laughs> in ring is great. But you know, they're just annoying characters. Uh, but like you said, I think that they were able to rehab them. They've been gone since Halloween Havoc. It's been that long, man. That's absolutely crazy. And again, not gone from our television screens, but they haven't appeared in front of that NXT audience in such a long time. So I think that was a smart call by WWE. And even though I really, really did dislike a lot of the vignettes, you have to you have to give credit where it's due. It worked. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so MSK talk about how they've been down since they lost their titles. Matt Riddle cuts a promo on the Tron saying he apologize he apologizes that he had a change of plans and couldn't be there with them live this week. He assured them that he'll be with them soon. Riddle asked them to challenge Imperium and reach their destiny. Wesley told Imperium to bring that ass here. Fabian Aigner and Marcel Bartel made their entrance. Aikner spoke in Italian, Bartel spoke in German, Bartel said he can see based off looks that MSK look uncultured, Bartel said MSK will never be able to touch Imperium, he said Imperium is the best tag team this division has seen, Carter asked Imperium for a match right here right now, Walter then appears on the screen, Walter said Marcel and Fabian are great champions that treat the titles with dignity and respect he said they don't need a title match they need a beating with walter's right hand riddle appeared on the titan tron again riddle proposed riddle lee and carter versus walter fabian and marcel walter accepts the challenge and he ends the promo by saying imperium's catchphrase of the ring being sacred yeah, so Walter in a six-man tag next week featuring Matt Riddle. Oh, my. Let's hope it gets to the ring because it's a, it's a risk now th- these days. But, man, if we see that match, oh, baby, let's do it. I will be watching. I will be so excited to see that one. And, uh, yeah, Walter speaking. Strange. It's he, He's a little better on the microphone than you think he's going to be. He's not, he's not Ric Flair. He's not The Rock, but he's okay. He's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird that he did. They did give him the chance to speak, which kind of makes me think. I'm, you know, if he's talking more, is does this mean the main rosters in his future with the rest of Imperium? I hope so, man. I, I just hope they don't waste them. If they do go on the main roster, I just hope they understand what they have and they actually push those guys. It will be heartbreaking to see them wasted on Raw or SmackDown. But, you know, I, it does seem like like we're going to get more Walter uh, across the pond here. Yep. So that's always good. Uh, moving on, Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett checked in from the commentary table. They recapped the uh, Brian Kendrick getting shoved down the stairs by Harlan. Uh, the show cut to Harlan and Joe Gacy outside. Gacy told Harlan that Kendrick called him a freak, but to Gacy, Harlan is no freak. This, uh, yeah, this whole thing pissed me off a lot because there's a good way to do a bait and switch and a blatant bad way to do it. And this was blatant and bad. This showed no regard to the audience, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Look, here's the thing. Typically, I would agree with you. But in this day and age, right now, with everything that's going on, shit's going to happen, man. I'm like, And I agree that they could have handled it better. But, you know, 
there's only so much they can do, really. And because WWE seems to be so afraid of saying COVID on the air or her protocols or whatever they want to say, um, you know, it's just something that that is unfortunate. And I'm making a huge assumption that that's the reason yeah. that why this match didn't happen. That's a, it is, it is an assumption, of course, but I think it's a fair assumption, you know, in this day and age, but yeah, like to advertise the entire week that this match was going to happen and to advertise on the show that it was going to happen and to hit buddy's music as though it's going to happen. And then to not do an angle, but to just say like, oh, he didn't show up and it's up to us to write our own angle in our head cannon. I just thought it was it was like lazy. And WWE has done worse examples of false advertising, but it just pissed me off. It's just a, another reminder that WWE is just a carny company and it sucks. But like they could have just said, hey, Brian Kendrick is not wrestling this week. If you were looking forward to this, which I was, if you were the type of fan who was watching the show only to see Brian Kendrick, which I'm sure a couple were out there, you got burned, you know? Yeah, well, it is what it is, and you know what's you know what's worse, Matt. And and what, I was gonna wait to talk about this, but here we are talking about this now, and that's day one. Seth Rollins has tested positive with COVID, and we know that the house show cards have been scrambled. They have NXT people appearing on house shows right now just because of so many positive tests or people being taken off to keep them safe or what 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 have you. But day one, there has been no changes to the card whatsoever just yet. Yeah, and I wonder if that is just optimism or if that is, again, the flagrant false advertising that we have come to know and love from this fucking Garney company. Sasha Banks at SummerSlam. That's all I'm going to say. Excellent, excellent point. I have no rebuttal. I was mad about this one. And this was small. And again, I'm not mad that someone's not wrestling because they have COVID or whatever it would be. But there are ways to not flagrantly false advertise. This was the only thing on the show I was excited for. And they didn't even give us the good grace of doing an angle, you know, which is so easy to do. Or just a straight up explanation. So easy to do. To just do nothing. It's, it's just it's just greasy and carny. That's all. Yeah. All right. The hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, is with Idris and Ophi. Um, they talk about his big win over Von Wagner, Von Forehead, Von Beverly. And Ophi talked about how he was happy to end the year with his first WWE win. Von Wagner showed up to randomly yell at Anofi. Malik Blade showed up to defend Anofi. Wagner then yells at him and had to be held back. Now, so Von Wagner is, you know, he's still mean. He's still uh, nasty. I kind of thought he was going to lose again after this promo, though. The way they set it up, it really felt like they were driving towards a losing streak for Von Wagner here. I yep. was wrong. Yep, I agree with you there. Uh, and then we move to back to the ring, and Harlan is in the ring for his match against the Brian Kendrick. Uh, his, uh, they start playing the theme. No one comes out. Gacy takes the mic and said that even when people talk a big game, they end up not showing up. That's literally how they wrote off this match. Andre Chase shows up and said he was here for a teachable moment. He said they don't quit at Chase University. Gacy said they admire the work Chase does at his university. Gacy said Harlan was enrolled in schools before, but he was treated unfairly and unjustly expelled. He said he thanks Chase for being Kendrick's replacement. This leads us into Harlan versus Andre Chase, which this match took one 
minute for Harland to get the win. Yeah, Harland defeats Andre Chase via ref stoppage in exactly one minute. He's got this spot where he just repeatedly slams his opponent's head into the mat, dribbling it like a basketball, if you will. And uh, that appears to be his finisher right now. So, hey, that's cool. Um, They're definitely making Harland look strong. I appreciated that. Uh, But, yeah, this was uh, one minute of just, like, two moves and a man smashing another man's head against the mat. So it wasn't really much of a wrestling match, per se. Yep. All right. So Harlan was about to go to the back, uh, but he stops. He goes to attack Chase again, but Chase was covered by one of his students. Um, Harlan drags the student, puts him on his shoulders and drags him to the back. So we literally have a kidnapping on NXT this week. <laughs> oh no hints of russo hints of russo at least there wasn't outright overt racism and uh rape references but that's neither here nor there uh i would rate this match probably wwe average you know it wasn't a strong in-ring match but it would they really put harland over strong and i'm interested to see more so i would say average wwe squash it's the mendoza line the mad cat moss line two and a half storms out of five buddy yeah uh, then we get a Tiffany Stratton uh, uh, shot. Uh, very, and and I, the reason why I bring this up is because I absolutely loved the filming of this. This seemed to be done live. They did a great shot of her boots and her back and the lighting. Everything was really good for this one shot to really hype Tiffany Stratton before her in-ring debut. Yeah, we're kind of reaching a little bit, but I agree with all of your compliments. They they did a great job with this little five-second thing. Yeah, I, I do agree. It was slick. looked nice. It's small, but you know what? Again, if we're going to give credit where credit's due, you know, these, these the experimental cinematography that they do from time to time on NXT is kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. I uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. Now, the match was not kind of cool. Oh, she well. needs to, some developmentaling. She needs some developmentaling, Boris. Oh, for sure. But before that, we see the TMZ-like interview uh, walking up to Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza. They tried to shoot off the cameraman. Electra Lopez showed up, and Escobar wanted to know her deal with Zion Quinn. Uh, Solo Sokoa randomly shows up because he heard commotion, and this leads to a Escobar versus Sokoa match later in the night. I loved Santos here, and I also really liked Solo here. I felt like the rest of Legato are pretty cheesy still. They're not the best actors. It's pro wrestling, though. None of the, you know what I mean? We're not getting, we're not getting Brad Pitt and Leo and all the greatest of all time. I'm just kidding about that. But yeah, they, they, like, we can't expect great acting, but even then, Legato, buddy, your boys, they can be a little cheesy. Santos is excellent, though. Santos is excellent on the microphone. Santos is excellent, period, man. Like, he's so good. Like, he's honestly <laughs> so talented. Oh, how is it's Again, just like Cameron Grimes, it's criminal that he is not doing more. Yeah, million percent agree with you, buddy. I like to throw shade Santos's way because I know you love him so, but I would be lying to you if I said he wasn't great. He's an awesome wrestler, and again, he's excellent on the microphone. He's a really good promo guy. So I posted this on the Facebook group, but I tried buying the Legado shirt again, the LWO ripoff one, and it is still sold out. So either it's a very popular shirt or they made one batch and that's it. <laughs> they need to reprint that thing. If you're listening, WWE, Boris will buy 10 himself. I, I promise I you. Would. I effing would. 
Awkward silence. I love it. All right. This is- <laughs> Sorry, I think, yeah, you, you were a little choppy on our connection here. You froze there for a second. But I assume that you were just uh, showing more love to uh, Santos and your boys and the T-shirt. Oh, you know it. All right. Uh, and then the match that I really don't want to talk about too much, and that's Tiffany Strand yeah. in her in-ring debut versus Fall- Fallon Hanley. Fallon Hanley. Fallon Hanley. Fall on Hanley. Fall on Henley. I actually know a, a girl named Fallon, so that's not the first time I've ever heard that name, but it's not a great name, Fallon Henley. This was a Superstars 1991 match. It was like two minutes and 30 seconds, but still somehow all rest holds. Tiffany Stratton, despite being a fantastic gymnast, kind of botched a little bit, like the handspring elbow, and then she hit a downward spiral and won, and that was that. The flat liner, the complete shot, a.k.a. Reverse STO, etc. You know who she, who Tiffany Stratton reminded me a lot of in this match? And this is not a compliment, by the way. <laughs> oh, no. I think I know who you're going to say. Who's that? Dana Brooke. Yeah, she definitely had some Dana Brooke vibes. Like, sloppy gymnastics. Kind of like a little bit of a power style. She's a better gymnast than Dana Brooke is, obviously. Not as strong, obviously. But yeah, so Tiffany does have potential. But this was pretty bad. This was a pretty bad match. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was very bad to say that you said. I'm looking at the time of this match, and I thought it was honestly longer. It was only 2 minutes and 37 seconds. Yeah, that's why it's one of those matches that felt at least twice as long. And again, we're not saying like Tiffany Stratton sucks, don't push her. We're just, this is this is developmental. This is her first match, and it, it she needs some work. I would say at best it was it was too uh, storms out of five. We're going to be generous and say two storms out of five, 40% strong, zero percentage. And that might be like one and a half too many. Yeah, that's a very generous score to say the least, but that's fine. It is your rating system. Um, yeah, this isn't going to show up on our hard cut list anytime soon. <laughs> no, sir. This will not be on the top 121 of 2021. You know, I was very close to saying that this is still a better match than the exploding barbed wire match, but how <laughs> dare you? People need, oh man, people need to know about the exploding barbed wire de- death match. It was a really, really excellent match with a terrible it was finish. It was not a good match. It wasn't it was a good an, match. With a, it it wasn't was a good awesome. match, and it had a stupidly horrible ending. It had a number of excellent spots throughout it. It was compelling and violent and awesome, and it I was sucked in for every moment of it, and then the ending was terrible. You will not hear me argue that the ending was absolutely terrible and kind of ruined it. But in my opinion, it knocked down like a 90 to an 80, not like a 50 to a zero, you know? It was still an amazing match. It went from 15 to 5. How dare you? How dareth? How very dare? Vic Joseph hypes up the Carmelo Hayes and Roderick Strong contract signing for later in the show, and Hayes apparently still hasn't even showed up to work. <laughs> well, Carmelo, you know, fashionably late. He shows up when he wants because he makes the rules. He's the uh, A champion. He's a champion, all right. All right. <laughs> Tony D'Angelo, A.O. Gabagool. He shows up. He cuts a backstage promo. Uh, D'Angelo bragged about his post-match beatdown on Dunn. D'Angelo talked about how Dunn looked to be in pain when he was on the floor. He said that Dunn should do what D'Angelo's grandfather advised him to do and not confront the bully that beats you down. 
Yeah, another good promo from Tony D. Although, you know, it, it kind of looked like he filmed it on his own phone, but that's fine. It's 2021. I kind of like that, actually. It happens, right? Um, yeah. All right. I, uh, since I'm having like a meltdown right now, since watching <laughs> this, I am not sure how I'm going to talk about this without sounding horrible. And that is the contract signing. Uh, so Wade Barrett is in the ring with the contract signing table, uh, the North American champion, uh, bit, the North American belt, the cruiserweight belt were on the table. Barrett introduced Roderick Strong first. All of Diamond Mine made their entrance. Malcolm Bivens took the mic and said he didn't see Chuck Williams and Carmelo Hayes backstage. He said he understands that gas prices are high and they couldn't make it. Uh, Bivens was cut off by Mello and Trick making their entrances. Uh, Trick said that Strong is the B champion because he won't be champion much longer. Trick said that Roddy has never been about it. About it. <sighs> I don't know. This is this is so painful. Look, I like this, but it's just like talking about this right now. It's just like, oh, all right. So then Malcolm Bivens said he's going to translate Trick's talk for the viewers at home. Bivens' code changed and translated what Williams was saying. Uh, Strong told Bivens to translate to Williams that Strong will kick their ass. Bivens co-changed again and told Williams that, Abra, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Bivens talked about bucking nucks and that Mello and Trick are outnumbered. Williams said he's never been outnumbered. Bivens said he doesn't get paid enough to translate whatever what everyone is saying. Wade Barrett said he doesn't understand what anyone is saying. He asked for uh, Roderick Strong and Carmelo Hayes to start speaking and to stop speaking. Uh, to and and yeah, it's just it's here's here's where things just went weird. Uh, Mello said that when he says when I shoot, I don't miss. It's not a catchphrase; it's a lifestyle. He said he got aim like Denzel, and he is the equalizer. He said he'd put Strong on a T-shirt. Uh, Mello said Strong is not different from all the other victims he put down. He said he takes what he wants, and he's taking the cruiserweight title by any means necessary. He said he will be the A champion of NXT. He said that that's all it is and that's all it's gonna be strong said that was impressive that Mello said that to his face strong said as much potential as Mello has both he and Mello are going to have a live changing a life-changing experience he said he's going to have the biggest moment of his career by becoming a two-time North American champion while M Mello will be carried out as humble haze Barrett said it was time to sign the contracts. Both men signed. Mello took off his shirt while Strong dared him to come at him, despite having a five-on-two advantage. Mello and Trick wisely walked away. Bivens took the mic, said that Dexter Loomis's whooping uh, on Trick uh, on Trick's ass last week is what it's about. Trick ran back in, got in Malcolm's face. When Trick tried to leave, the Creed brothers lifted up Trick and powerbombed power bombed him through the table yeah so i love trick williams in this segment i yet again another awesome promo by trick there was that one line like i'm never outnumbered i'm six four i have eight abs three chains and two feet that i'm gonna put up y'all asses oh just incredible just what a line by trick williams he's he's really he's heating up on the microphone he's figured that out i i i, I thought 
borderline racist might even be too nice. It might just be straight up racist. But to have two different people in the segment, both Wade Barrett and Roderick Strong, be like, I don't understand what these guys are talking about. But anyway, back to business. To have two people doing it, both the host and one of the combatants in this match, that was a little much. We didn't need two people saying, oh, these guys are ridiculous and stupid. You know what I mean? Especially when they were clearly outshining everyone on the microphone. But I thought Trick and Malcolm did awesome here. This is my favorite thing on the show by a country mile. I love this. This is great. Yeah, like, look, I like the segment. I just thought that that was a little weird. Um, and Malcolm Bivens, just a treasure. Like, honestly, keep him safe. Uh, don't yes. let people realize he is employed because he's just so fun. And I think he's really <laughs> been able to pick up, like, you know, when, again, when Diamond Mine started, this was just like a, it seemed like it was going to be a, a, a lost cause, a failed thing on an NXT, but NXT 2.0 has really helped this group. And Malcolm Bivens is like really shining right now. And he's the perfect mouthpiece to a Roderick Strong, which seems to be like, you know, I think we were both wrong. Roderick Strong seems to be doing well on his own right now, quote unquote, on his own. We'll see. We'll see what happens after January 4th, though, because he's no longer. It doesn't look like there's even going to be a cruiserweight title because Wade Barrett was very careful to say in, I think, almost in these exact words, the winner will be going forward as the North American champion. He said that as he was leaving the ring. So it kind of seems like. It's actually official. The Cruiserweight title is going to be gone as of January 4th. Yep. We'll see. We'll see. And and I'm most, most likely it is gone. I expect it to be gone. But uh, it is what it is, as they say. Um, yes. Man, we say that so much about NXT. It's so funny. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. But yeah, fabulous promo. Best thing on the show, for sure. Yep. Solo Sokoa was shown kickboxing a bag backstage. Um, Grizzled Young Veterans versus the Creed Brothers versus Jacket Time versus Briggs and Jensen was advertised for a number one contenders match. Each team got a few words in to hype themselves up as future champions. So that's going to be on the show. They hadn't said this, but it's probably going to be on the show after New Year's Evil, correct? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. They always like kind of booking something after a major show just so to give people something to look forward to, right? Because it's it's like uh, at New Year's Evil, we're going to be seeing a lot of blow-offs, um, a lot of title matches. So, you know, this is the only time that you can really book something and hype something for the following show. Yes, absolutely. And I think part of the reason why they didn't give us a concrete date was just in case one or two matches can't go on, they could easily move this up to the New Year's Evil card. So we'll exactly. see what happens. Exactly. I think that was really smart of them at the end of the day. All right, so Solo Sokoa was in the ring already for the next match. Legado del Fantasma got a full entrance, uh, sporting the LWO-themed graphics. Vic Joseph noted that this was Solo's biggest match in WWE to date. Uh, We get Solo Sokoa versus Santos Escobar. Yes, sir. Good match. Definitely the best wrestling match on the show. I would say the only thing you need to seek out from this show is that promo that we just talked about. But this was Sola Sokoa's biggest match. It was his best match. And it's yet another feather in Santos Escobar's cap because he got a good match out of this guy who's had what, like three WWE matches. He's been on the indie scene, but he's very, very new, new to the style. And yeah, Santos got a good one out of him. Yeah, I thought this match was was really good. Um, and then, obviously, Zion Quinn shows up in the middle of the match, caught Escobar's attention. Escobar gives him a suicide dive. Uh, this 
gave uh, uh, Sokoa enough time to take advantage of the distraction, gives a super kick in the ring to Escobar, solo hit Escobar with the Uso splash for the win uh, in 10 minutes and 15 seconds of on-air time. Yes, yeah, 13.33, including a commercial uh, yeah, and I thought this, like I said, strongest match on the show. We're going to go three storms out of five for this one. 60% air raid crash percentage for us. Yep. Uh, so after the match, Zion Quinn and Legado have a stare down. The hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Mackenzie Mitchell, hypes up New Year's Evil. Uh, she runs through the current card. Uh, then she was interrupted as we cut to the PC uh, and there's commotion on the roof. Uh, camera cuts to Harlan and Joe Gacy teasing, throwing Andre Chase's student off of the roof. Gacy spoke in Harlan's ear and Harlan put the man down. The student was on the floor in fear. Yeah, so we almost saw a murder here on NXT TV. This Harlan, uh, he's killing people. Something needs to be done. Put this man in jail. Right? He's kidnapping people. He's doing attempted murder. He throws people downstairs. I love wrestling sometimes. <laughs> like, you can argue that, like, an HR team, whatever, would have found some blame with Brian Kendrick and they just decided to not pursue that because he called him a freak or whatever, right? But this was just a kidnapping and an, an almost attempted murder. This was just, you in any form of combat sport, this man should be fined, suspended, and uh, removed from the roster immediately, Bart. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so the TMZ-like uh, interviewer tried to interview Solo Sokoa, but Sokoa was attacked and choked by Boa. Uh, there was a weird camera cut, and the camera showed that Boa's face uh, was painted. Uh, then it was unpainted. Boa looked confused because he's possessed, you see. Whatever. This it's kind of funny when he's possessed he literally wears it on his face so it's a you know it's it, not a very effective possession like we can all see it coming a mile away but yeah this character i i almost feel bad for boa that he's stuck in this character it is what it is it is what it is <laughs> <laughs> we need a counter of how many times we say that on the show it is what it is <laughs> that's gonna be the title of this episode i think yeah i think so too uh, Vic Joseph yet again hypes up New Year's Evil because he couldn't let Mackenzie Mitchell have the th spotlight. Uh, and then we got a Tomasa Champa and Braun Breaker uh, video package. Yeah, this was good stuff. Made me excited to see that match. Reminding us of the beats of this feud since Halloween Havoc. And uh, I don't know, but we're going to see. Their first match was pretty good. I think we had it like three and a half star, three and a half Champa rating. And uh, yeah, I, I expect a similar performance from Braun Breaker. Should we talk about it now or wait till the end? We'll wait till the end. All right. All right. Von Wagner, Von Forehead, Von Beverly, Von Smackdown versus Malik Blade. Oh, man. This was, oh, it's only four minutes. This felt like 15. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad. I don't say this is an insult. I swear to God, I mean this as a compliment. Von Wagner reminds me a lot of Test. Test was a good big man. Von Wagner's kind of hitting a test level in, in his ring work. This was a test squash right here. Yeah, look, it wasn't the worst, but it just felt a lot longer. Um, and, and you know what? I will say this. I will give him credit that his in-ring isn't as shitty as it was before. He is developing. He is looking better. His matches aren't unbearable to watch. No, absolutely not. No, this was a perfectly fine WWE squash match. 
Yep. Uh, so Wagner hit Blade with a modified Tiger Driver for the win in four minutes and two seconds. Yeah, that little twisty butterfly butterfly slam thing that he's been doing. I'm going to say an average wrestling match, average WWE squash. It's the Mendoza line, the Mad Cat Moss line, Boris. 50%, two and a half storms. Yep, I love it. I love the fact that he called it the Mad Cat Moss line. Because if, for those who didn't <laughs> listen to our SmackDown review, we were talking about the Mendoza line, and then Matt randomly called it the Mad Cat Moss line, and we're sticking to that name. Yes, the gimmick here is to try to find the most average wrestler in all of wrestling at this moment. And I do think, Boris, it might be Mad Cat Moss. I think we circled it. Yeah, well, it's better than my suggestion of Andrade El Idolo. How dare. How very dare again. <laughs> all right, so Blade reversed a power bomb into a victory roll for a... Uh, all right, so Wagner was about to attack Blade more after the match, but Idris and Ophi ran out to drag Blade to the back. Uh, Robert Stone was watching, shaking his head in disapproval. Yeah, so uh, when's when are we going to get the trigger pulled on this thing? Do you think Robert Stone is actually going to end up managing Vaughn? It seems so. I don't see why you would you would you would red herring that one. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it would be a very dumb and unnecessary tease. So that's probably going to happen. Yep. All right. So Raquel Gonzalez, Cora Jade versus Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray with the winners facing Mandy Rose at New Year's Evil for the NXT Women's Championship. Matt, yeah. this was our main event. This was the go-home of the go-home show. Slightly disappointing. Slightly yep. disappointing. It was a sloppy match, you know. You can tell that they kind of put it together on the fly. This was not the planned main event of this show. It was supposed to be Cora and Raquel versus Toxic Attraction. I do think I do kind of like the idea. I liked it more than you, but the match sucked. Yet again, though, Kaylee Ray is out here throwing herself at the ground. She's doing everything she possibly can to stay over. She is really flying all over the place in these matches. She reminds me of Pete Dunne. Yeah, but Cora Jade... Look, I'm really starting to get tired of, of this, like, just randomly walking into victories because it happened again. Uh, Jade somehow ended up in a jackknife pin situation on Kaylee Ray for the win. Yeah, so, yeah, what happened was Raquel hits Kaylee with the Chingona bomb, and as she falls into the corner, and as she falls into the corner, Cora Jade tags herself in, goes to pin Kaylee Ray, and I think... Kaylee Ray accidentally, quote unquote, put her shoulder up. It seemed like she wasn't supposed to kick out. It seemed like Raquel was supposed to break up the pin there. But Kaylee Ray actually did kick out at the end. To me, my read was that it seemed like she didn't think Raquel was going to get there in time. Do you think I'm right on that? I I don't know. I really don't know. It, it was just it just it just <laughs> seemed very awkward and weird. Yes, and then that lead. That uh, leads to Kaylee Ray getting an O'Connor roll on Cora Jade, which Raquel hits uh, Kaylee out of. Cora reverses it and wins with the O'Connor roll. 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Sloppy, bad match to end a sloppy, bad episode of NXT 2.0. Yeah, well, that's not all because after the match, Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez are celebrating. And that's when Mandy Rose appeared on the Titantron, talked about how she's going to erase both Jade and Gonzalez from the championship picture. She pointed out how she expects both of her opponents to be selfish. Rose kissed the title as the show went to a close. 
Yes, sir. So for that one, we're going to go two storms out of five, 40% uh, precipitation, let's say, percentage on that one, Boris. And uh, <laughs> don't you shake your head at me. <laughs> that was terrible. That was absolutely terrible. I apologize to the listeners. Uh, but yes, yeah, so yeah, a bad episode of NXT, but I am excited for next week. So goddamn, I guess they did their job. Yep, exactly. So let's run the card before we end the show. New Year's Evil, Tuesday, January the 4th. We have AJ Styles confronting Grayson Waller. Really looking forward to this. It's always fun seeing a main roster person in NXT uh, because apparently NXT has kind of turned into the playground for everyone in WWE. Sure, yeah. I'm excited to eventually see Randy Orton in this brand and all of our favorites. Maybe Miz? Who knows? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> All of our favorites, <laughs> maybe Miz. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, that was my. It was. It was a bit, Boris, because no one likes Randy Orton either. Although you're all wrong. Randy Orton's great. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. All right, Riddle and MSK versus Imperium. <laughs> Let's go. All seriousness, who wouldn't be excited for that match? Matt Riddle versus Walter in a WWE ring. Also, the tag teams of Imperium versus MSK. Those guys always deliver. That match is going to be great. I hope it hits the ring. Please let us get that. I know, right? At this point, it's just like, that's. this is honestly the match that I'm looking forward to the most. And what I'm looking forward to the absolute most, besides Fabian Aikner doing suicide dives and, and, and planches everywhere, and that's Matt Riddle versus Walter. Yes, yeah, I cannot wait to see those two men mix it up. And yeah, Fabian Eichner's been on one lately. Imperium's really good in the ring. This match is going to be great. Yep, all right, we have Roderick Strong versus Carmelo Hayes in an NXT Cruiserweight and NXT North American Championship unification match. Pour one out for the Cruiserweight title. All the great Cruiserweight champions of lore, such as Chavo Classic and Jacqueline and Oklahoma. And Enzo. Man... (laughs) How dare you lump Enzo in with those guys? Enzo was a highlight of the WWE Cruiserweight title. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's sad that the Cruiserweight title is probably going away, but another feather in Carmelo Hayes' cap, and this match should be great as well. Roderick Strong doesn't really have bad matches. Yeah, I agree uh, 100% there. So we also have for the NXT Women's Championship, Mandy Rose versus Raquel Gonzalez versus your future champion, Cora Jade. <laughs> yeah, she's going to fall back asswards into a title win, I'm sure, and it will be unsatisfying for anyone who's been watching this show over the uh, past few weeks. But yeah, man, this could be this could be a disaster. I am morbidly curious. I am fascinated. I wouldn't tell you this is going to be a good match, but I am excited to see it, you know? But here's the thing. Like, I really do enjoy Cora Jade right now, but this gimmick of her just literally falling into wins needs to end. I don't like this at all. Yeah, what's even her finishing move? Does she have a finishing move? She falls ass backwards into the pin. <laughs> Literally, like she gets a, like her finishing move is that someone hits her opponent and she falls onto them for a victory. So yeah, I I hope she pins Mandy Rose clean in the middle of the ring with her finishing move. I expect Raquel to do all the damage and her to sneak in and win the women's title, and then yep. Mandy Rose to be on the main roster in an hour and a half. <laughs> exactly. All right. And then the main event is Tommaso Ciampa, your champion versus Braun Breaker with two K's for the NXT championship. 
So I can see this going one of two ways. Either Braun Breaker loses and immediately is on the main roster, or Braun Breaker wins and holds the title for four to six months. I know what I think. What do you think is happening on New Year's Evil Bars? I think Braun Breaker will not win the title. He doesn't need the title. Woo! We're going to see him on the main roster at Royal Rumble. Interesting. I do think he's in the Royal Rumble. I bet you for sure he'll eliminate four or five guys in the Rumble. I think he's going to win the title. He needs some more time in the in the oven, Boris. He needs to cook a little more. He's not quite ready. He's going to hold the title until WrestleMania-ish. He's going to lose it in April, and he's going to debut on Raw or SmackDown the first episode after WrestleMania. So I think we're getting a four-month title run for Braun Breaker here. Right. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I, I honestly just see broad breaker just going straight up to the main roster and for me this is kind of a good barometer to see what wwe kind of expects out of their nxt talent for that call-up like at what level do they consider them ready do they consider them ready when like they're fully ready when the character is ready when the character is hot because look at grayson waller he might get the call-up soon ra sooner rather than later as well it is very interesting, and we, we're flying by the seat of our pants here calling this thing, too. We're going to find out when everyone else does, but that's just my read on it. I think Braun needs a little more time. He's only had five, six wrestling matches like in front of, a, in front of any kind of audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Like I said, this is, it, it'll be interesting to see where and how WWE makes the call for the call-ups. Uh, so that is it for NXT. That's NXT New Year's Evil next week. Matt, we have a super busy week. This Saturday, you and I are going to be doing the aftercast for day one. That's this Saturday. It'll be posted a little bit after the show. So there is no uh, after party. It's only going to come in podcast form. Uh, the next after party is going to be at Royal Rumble. Yes, and I, I believe the plan is we're going to be doing that one too, but that's a long time away. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, lots coming up. We have, bam, the top 121 of 2021. That's going to be in your inbox either Thursday or Friday, hopefully Thursday evening. We also have, uh, we have Wrestle Kingdom coming up. We have NXT New Year's Evil coming up. So many things to discuss, Boris. Yeah, and the other SNME shows coming to you this week, we have the all Elite Weekly, the old fucks talking all things New Year's Smash, which is come starting in a couple hours. Uh, then, like Matt just mentioned, we have BAM, the top 121 of 2021. That's going to be a very fun show. We're going to have some good debates. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to be talking wrestling. And uh, I'm going to criticize his list, I'm sure. Uh, then uh, we have the Rampage rollout coming over the weekend. Uh, no Smack Daddies because there won't be a full SmackDown show as it's going to be a highlight reel match. Uh, we have day one on Saturday. You have the aftercast coming. And then on Sunday, it is the show of the year. The main event of main events. The worst of 2021. That's going to be a, a, that was a fun show to record. And I'm, uh, I can't wait for everyone to hear it. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, the first one was a fun listen as well, the best of. And yeah, man, we're doing good stuff here at SNME Radio, if I do say so myself, Boris. I'm very proud to be part of the team. It's been an awesome 2021 uh, in some regards, in some respects. And uh, let's hope, let's make it a good 2022, my friend. 
agreed with you 100%. Patrons, remember to renew before the first, um, because I know that uh, sometimes, like, whatever, for whatever reason, things don't uh, uh, work out. Uh, but, uh, and then I get messages, why don't I have access? Because you haven't paid, my friend, so make sure you pay before the first. That's patreon.com slash Radio. That is the show. This is NXT Talk. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.